Welcome to the Short Term Show, the show about short term rentals and long term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. This episode of the Short Term Show is brought to you by the Short Term Shop. If you're interested in buying a short-term rental in one of the top vacation markets in America, just go to the shorttermshop.com and click get connected with an agent. If you purchase a home with the shop, you'll have access to all of our client-only benefits, such as training on how to manage your short-term rental. So we'll teach you everything you need to know from how to set up your Airbnb and Verbo listings to how to use the property management software that you'll need to streamline your business, all the way down to helping you source your local boots on the ground like cleaners, handy people, etc. We've taught thousands of people just like you how to buy and manage their vacation homes from anywhere in the world. So head on over to the shorttermshop.com and click get connected with an agent to get started. I do have to mention that we're brokered by eXp or else I get in trouble. We'll see you guys over there. Hey guys, welcome back to the short term show. Today we have a really cool guest, Natalie Palmer, a fellow toddler mom, investor, co-host, and also podcast host. How's it going, Natalie? You want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, Avery. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Natalie Palmer. And like Avery said, I'm host. I do a lot of co-hosting. All my properties are based out of Big Bear, California. Um, I also have my own podcast called No Vacancy. And uh, most recently, what I'm most excited about is planning Level Up Your Listing Women's Summit, which Avery, you will be hosting our real estate investors panel. So I'm super excited to have you there in just a couple of weeks. Yes, I am very excited that you guys invited me. Thank you so much. Yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> you were a very obvious choice for sure. <laughs> I, I actually, I have like a girls group that we're all like STR investors and we do a taco Tuesday every month oh. and everyone in the group is just obsessed with you. Like two of them have bought through the short-term shop and stuff. And like when, when I told them that you were going to be one of our, um, moderate one of our panels, they were like freaking out. So you're, you're definitely oh. a little celebrity. Oh, well, good. I'm so, I'm so happy. That's, I love that. And I'm really looking forward to coming and I really appreciate you guys inviting me. Um, so let's talk about you though. So let's start at the beginning. So for those people who may not listen to your podcast, which I'm pretty sure everyone does, but we're going to interview you like you're new. Yeah. So everyone who doesn't know Natalie, uh, so tell me what's in your portfolio at the moment. Yeah. So I currently manage nine properties in Big Bear, California, um, two of those are my parents and that's how I got started in hosting. They had a second home there and I started just asked if I could throw it up on Airbnb. Uh, they were definitely sketched out at first, but once I got their permission, it was full steam ahead. And, um, within one winter season, we made enough that my parents reinvested that into a second property in Big Bear and had me start managing that one. And then in the meantime, basically neighbors in Big Bear just approached me and said, like, your place is booked all the time. We see your guests coming in constantly. When we look at your Airbnb listings, you're booked nonstop at better rates. Could you start managing for us? So I somehow fell into co-hosting. And then after about three and a half years of doing that, finally, my husband and I bought our own property up there. So I currently manage the nine. Um, and again, it's like a mixture of me owning the one with my husband, managing some for my parents, and then co-hosting for other owners. Awesome. So you kind of, did you choose Big Bear because you kind of fell into it yes. or did you like, okay. Yeah. So I, I would have never, okay. 
I'm very much like a beach girl and I love the desert. I love Palm Springs and Joshua Tree. If I was just starting this from scratch, I would have never invested in the mountains. There is nothing worse than driving up to deal with like a frozen pipe or I I don't know, people who live in snowy places. I live in Orange County and like the snow is just not my friend. Um, I would have never invested there. But I mean, it's turned out to be a good investment. Um, I will say I am not investing in Big Bear anymore. I think it's you have to do something really, really special at this point to compete in that market. And they are cracking down hard with rules. And so I'm not leaving any of the properties I have there, but I'm definitely looking to pick up a new market right now. Okay. So let's talk about that for a minute, because all I heard probably like three years ago was big bear, big bear, big bear. And then now everyone's saying the regulations are changing. Why do you think that is? Because that market checks a lot of my boxes in terms of places that I would potentially invest uh, with it being, you know, a vacation market and a regional drivable and all of that stuff. So what do you think is driving that? So, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I personally, I think that there's a lot of, hmm. I don't want to like call anyone out on city council or anything. I don't want to like get myself into trouble here, but I attend basically every single city council meeting. If I don't go in person, I watch them on Zoom. I'm tuned into every letter and there is a lot of shady money. I will say that, um, you know, recently Big Bear Resorts was bought out by Mammoth like four years ago. And then two years ago, Aspen Resorts bought out Mammoth. And there's a ton of money and there's some rumors that they're building new hotels and there's some rumors that some of those hotel lobbies are coming in and trying to push short-term rental regulation. Um, it's really unfortunate because that market is truly a, a resort, like it's a vacation rental market down to the very definition. That's what it's always been for decades. So I'm hoping that this is just kind of a blip and maybe you know, maybe buying now will pan out in the long run and in five years we'll be over this and it will turn out to be a good long-term investment. But for investors who are trying to cash flow right now, I would not touch that market. They've made it so expensive to get your permits and um, the penalty, the fees for like, if, if you have like one noise complaint, it's like a one strike rule, $2,500 fee, two strikes, noise complaint, $5,000 fee. And by third one, you get your permit pulled. And that's just not, sustainable. Like most people, you'll be hit with, you know, 7,500 in fines before your property might be pulled. So I, I guess, I don't know. I, I know people who are like in LAOC San Diego have dreamed of having a property in Big Bear and they love to go ski and snowboard. If that's your dream and you're not relying on the short-term rental income and whatever you get just to help offset, go for it. But the investors who I know are trying to get like a good return on investment, I don't think that that market is is the best to go for right now. Mm, gotcha. So what are they doing? Are they grandfathering the current ones or is that something you have to worry about? Like them take, taking it away altogether? Yeah, we actually had a really big vote in November. Luckily it went in our favor. Um, but if that had passed, they would have completely capped no brand new rentals coming on the market at all. And current ones would have been grandfathered, but they would have capped it to where we could only do 30 rental contracts per year which I would use those up just in the winter season. Basically between Christmas to March 31st, when the ski resorts are open, we are booked 100% with three-day stays. So I would have used those entire 30-day contracts just in that winter season. Or if somebody wants to only rent on weekends, 30 weekends out of 52, that doesn't even give you, what's that, like 
like nothing, you know? So I just, yeah, it's, it's not, um, luckily that didn't pass, but I don't know. There's just been a lot of things there. So I've had this debate with a lot of people. And again, I'm not trying to scare anyone. I didn't think we'd get into this this deeply. Um, I'm not trying to like scare anyone from Big Bear if you've like <laughs> always dreamed of having a home there. But I think for like investors that are have money and they're willing to deploy it anywhere and they're just looking on the map, I would stay away personally. I would actually probably stay away from all of California, to be honest. <laughs> I, um, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna say I totally agree with that, but I totally agree with that. Like I will probably never- invest yeah. in California. Yeah. Uh, a lot of red tape <laughs> there, but a lot of people love it. A lot of people love investing in California. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the content of our podcast, but you have additional short-term rental questions, we host a weekly live question session that you guys can join for free. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays. And if you head over to strquestions.com, you can sign up. So not only am I the host of this show, but I also own and manage my own properties. And I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have about short-term rental investing. So please join us anytime for a free weekly live Q&A on Zoom. Sign up at strquestions.com. So you as a Californian... Yes. Where, what types of markets, you don't have to like tell me where you're targeting and then everybody run, do that. <laughs> but what types of markets are you interested in moving forward? Oh, well, yeah. yeah, I love that question. So um, let me backtrack a little bit here. Cause I know last year, Airbnb rolled out categories, that new feature. And I know that it got a lot of mixed reviews. I personally love categories because, and it definitely has some kinks because I know there's people with like A-frame cabins that are not showing up in the A-frame category. So I know it still needs to be worked on, but the concept of categories is just my favorite thing because I think, let's take Joshua Tree, for example. I think to be successful in a desert market five years ago, you basically had to have a Joshua Tree zip code because people go to Airbnb and they search Joshua Tree. They're not searching up Yucca Valley or 29 Palms, but now that there's a desert homes category, you can pick up anything in those surrounding areas, that cheaper real estate and still pop up in those categories. So at this point, my kind of game plan is I'm looking at, um, I really like national parks. Um, I love deserts. Um, I would totally love to have a beach home. Um, seasonality wise, I want something opposite than what Big Bear is because in slow season, my income totally drops. So I would love like a desert or a beach home that's opposite seasonality. But wherever I'm looking on the map, I am starting to go like a couple zip codes outside of that because I just think that categories has made it possible to, um, you know, just do something really unique with the home and do something I think people are looking more for like experiences in the property itself rather than having that prime location. That's actually very refreshing to hear someone have something nice to say about a change that Airbnb <laughs> has made because everybody loves to jump on and like hate on it. I'm a, I'm a big Airbnb fan. Like we, we could not have the business that we do, all of us who are listening without Airbnb. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that sometimes that like, yeah, you know, they're, they're the biggest player in the game. And then when they make changes, people complain and things, but at the end of the day, you know, hiccups aside, it, it is a really good platform in my opinion. So that's really refreshing to hear someone say something nice about it. <laughs> I know. And I, like I think you're right. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're right about um, people wanting experiences and maybe being okay with being a little further away. Like for example, I just 
finished booking, which means I will still have to go like do three new rounds of it. Our yearly motorhome trip. That's about, we do about a month. And this year we're doing a lot of desert stops, especially like in Utah and Arizona. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, we're not booking Airbnbs because we're in our motorhome, but there are some campgrounds that I booked that are a little further away, like not in Zion, maybe an hour and a half away. So we can do some of the other stuff surrounding, but the campground itself is just so cool that I'm like, man, yeah, I'd love to stay there for three days. Even if we don't even make it over <laughs> to Zion, uh, this place looks like a really fun experience for our family. So I totally agree that it's not necessarily always about being right in the middle of the action as much as it is the experience. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I don't know. I've even, so my husband and I never had a honeymoon. We got married a week before COVID um, and then everything was shut down. So we never had our honeymoon and we're coming up on, gosh, it'll be three years in like a week. Um, And we're like thinking like we need to go do one. And we always said we wanted a honeymoon in Hawaii. And now when I look on Airbnb and just some of these like really cool direct booking sites and really cool boutique motels coming out, I'm like, you know, I don't know. Do we need to fly all the way to Hawaii? Like there are really cool experiential destinations and like really fun photo worthy, Instagram worthy places nearby that just put a ton into the design. And I kind of don't care so much about the location as long as the place we're staying at feels nice. So yeah, it's kind of been a shift even in like my, my patterns as a, from the traveler side, not just the host side too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And especially once you have kids, <laughs> everything changes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like going all the way to Hawaii right now. I don't know if I really want to do that, but yeah. Palm Springs has some really cool boutique hotels <laughs> I would totally be down for. <laughs> yeah. I booked a, our first family vacation outside of our motorhome trips where we're actually getting on flights to Whitefish, Montana for spring break. And it's two layovers with the kids. And I'm like, man, I don't know about this now that it's getting closer. <laughs> like, why did I do this to myself? Yeah, but I'm sure they'll be fine. <laughs> if the destination is not like nonstop direct flight, I feel like I'm I'm going to say no. <laughs> yeah. It'll be beautiful once you're there. It will be worth it. But good yes, luck for that. I'm flight. telling cool. myself that. <laughs> it was, I was excited about it at the time. We'll have fun. But <laughs> anyway, back to business. So you are managing nine right now currently. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what ownership your... and co-hosting. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what is your tech stack for managing those? What technology are you using? Mm, I'm embarrassed to say how like low tech I actually am. Um, okay. I, I don't do any direct bookings. And so that has kind of helped me like avoid a lot of the extra services that I need, but I have added on um, hostfully as a PMS um, I've been playing around with Breezeway. I really like their cleaning checklists. Um, going to be honest with that one. I love it. My cleaners are not adopting it as well as I would have loved. Um, but I like, I love the concept and I think we'll get there. So holding mm-hmm. out for that one. Um, tech wise I, or pricing wise, I love Price Labs. Um, mm-hmm. And let's see what else. Then like actual physical tech, the Schlage and code lock to do all your check-ins remotely. Um, I have not had a noise sensor up really at all, but I'm thinking I want to add one. Um, the thing is our properties are all small. They're two bed, two bath condos, and we've never, we've never had a party. Um, I think if people are coming up to the mountains to party, they're booking like these huge cabins that are more remote in the woods. They're not going to stay in a condo. And I kind of don't know if I want 
I'm almost like it will a noise monitor just stress me out when I get alerts. It may. Like, <laughs> I, I kind of don't know if I want it, but I'm I'm like on the edge with that one. Um, but maybe that's it. Um, Wi-Fi, of course. Oh, and a big thing for mountain homes. I don't know if this counts as part of a tech stack, but we have a water recirculating pump in all of the listings, which is amazing. If you're anywhere cold where you might have a frozen pipe, um, it's like a $250 device. It takes a one-time install. Um, you either get a plumber or if you're fairly handy, my dad put it in. Um, and it basically just runs water through the pipes constantly. It only takes a little bit of electricity, but if you've ever like been to a mountain home and you've had to run the tap water for like five minutes to get hot water, you'll have instant hot water with this because the water is just like always running through the pipes um, and it prevents frozen pipes. Um, so it's pretty, I love that. I don't know if that counts as an official tech stack thing, but for mountain homes, you need one of those. No, but that's a really amazing tip because so my mountain homes, they're in the Southeast in Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge and that whole area. So we don't get consistent cold weather, but when we do the entire world falls apart and pipes freeze and yeah. cause it's just, it doesn't get cold enough often enough there for them to be built to withstand super cold temperatures. So it's called a water recirculating pump. Yes. I wrote yeah, that yes. down. You okay. That, that's you a pro it. tip for sure. I have heard that sometimes though, if you have like a huge power outage where the electricity goes out, it won't save you because it like runs on electricity to keep the water moving. Um, oh so yeah. Yeah. I didn't think like, about that. Yeah. It's not going to be like 100%, but at least for like you know, those five hours overnight where it gets colder than anyone expected, no one's at the property to shut the water off, like your butt will be covered in those cases for sure. And it's nice you get that instant hot water. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And back to Breezeway, I think that if you kind of frame it where your cleaners understand that it's there to help them to yes. do, it's yes. there to cover them so that when a guest breaks something and they say, no, it was like that. Or when they say, oh, the cleaner didn't clean well, but you have these timestamped videos and you know that they did, it can, it's there to protect them too. But I mean, nobody likes change. Nobody likes process change. So I totally get that. I know it's a bummer because that that is like really how I'm trying to present it. And even like in our case, our cleaners track all of our inventory for us. And so when I'm ready to go do an Amazon shipment or something and send it to the cleaner's house, I would always be like, okay, tell me what's running low. I'm ready to do a big order. And they're always like, shoot, I'm not going to be at the property again till tomorrow. I don't remember off the top of my head what's running low. And I'm like, if we had this, you would just already have a running tally. I wouldn't even have to ask you as things are dipping low and you mark the inventory in the app, I could easily ship things to you. So just a little bit of that like adoption. I Honestly, this is one thing. Anybody who has successfully gotten your cleaners on, like, please message me and let me know how you did it because I really, really want to use it. I believe in the product. Um, it's just that one piece. No one likes change. Like you said. Yeah. I think Sarah and Annette are big, big breezeway people with all of their properties and cleaners. They talked about it a little bit when they were on a different episode of this podcast and how they, they'd be a good people, a good set of people to ask about that. Yeah. But, yeah. um, yeah. Cause they're like way, way deep in the breezeway. So it's, it's very tough too. I've noticed like markets, you know, they're in Columbus, Ohio and stuff. And a lot of suburban markets, I think there is much more access to more reliable team members. I'll say that. Um, mountain towns, I'm sure you run into the same thing in the Smokies and stuff. Like it's very hard to find reliable 
the mountain time is a real thing. That is not just an expression. Like all the time plumbers will say, yep, I'll be there. And four days go by and you haven't heard from them. Like it's just such a common thing. And it's just a very, like people do not want to be on the tech there. And I don't know, like the most I've gotten from my cleaners is to just text them a schedule every week. And if there's any changes, update them as we go. So it's definitely market dependent. I'm sure that there are areas where it's much easier to get that adoption, um, the tech adoption from your cleaners and your whole team. Yeah, yeah. And the Smokies went through that too. We we have one cleaner that we split with one other owner who works only for us and them. And uh, when we started integrating their Google Calendar with our PMS software, we use Hospitable, uh, we got her a, um, we bought her a, a Google, like, I can't remember what it was like one of those super cheap little, uh, why, almost, why do I keep wanting to call it an iPad, a super cheap laptop uh, okay. to, so that has, and we made her a Gmail and said, okay, oh this is where it's going to come. You can hook it up to your phone. And cause she was like, well, I don't have my phone. I don't know how to do this. So we're like, here, we bought it. We've loaded this on here. This is where your schedule is. And she's done really, really great with it. So yeah. sometimes you just have to give them, you know, people, again, it's hard to change from the way you've been doing things. And, um, but that's what we did and it worked really well. Thank you so much for sharing that too. Like <laughs> this is the side, this is the side of hosting that nobody ever talks about, you know, and TikTok would make you think this is just like buy 10 properties and, you know, make 10,000 from each of them passively. But like, you might have to buy your cleaner a laptop and make an a Gmail account for her. Like that is the reality of this business. Yeah. And I mean, it was less than a $300 investment, but think of all of that time and effort and headache moving forward that now you don't have to deal with of sending that calendar every week. So yeah, for sure, that really, really helped us. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. I, okay. I have questions about co-hosting. So how does one get into co-hosting? So you started with your parents. So how do you make that next step of co-hosting, you know, for someone who maybe you don't know that isn't a friend or family, or do you start with friends and family? How does that work yeah. typically? Yeah. So in my case, after the two that I was managing for my parents, it became all strangers from there. It was literally just neighbors that came up. We were working on our new condo and they literally walked up to the door and were just like, Hey, I see you're booked all the time on the first one. Like, could you manage my place? They found your listing on Airbnb. It seems to be doing great. You're charging more than I am. Help me out. Um, so it just kind of happened like that. And it was very easy to onboard those because I already had my cleaner and my handyman. And, you know, I would drive up to big bear to restock my units. And since they were neighbors, it was so easy to do those. Um, so I really think that there's kind of two approaches to co-hosting. There's, you're already running a property that you own or you're doing it for a family or someone you somehow got your foot in the door with, with managing something. And then from there, you have the proof of concept and you can take on other nearby owners. And it's so easy to just copy and paste it because you've got your cleaning team and everything in place. Um, and then the other case is people who have no money and this is how they're trying to start and they don't have their own property to kind of prove the concept first. Um, I would say the best way to get into co-hosting in those cases is be willing to kind of take on some odd jobs. Like if you want to be a stager or a designer for a short-term rental, um, if you are a realtor or 
just offer services of like, I will come and assemble your Ikea furniture for you and like put the place together. I'll go through and make your house manual for you and print it and make sure it's there. If you do anything like that, you're so much more willing to get the owner to trust you and then like have that natural relationship that leads to co-hosting. Um, because honestly, like as a property owner now myself, I would not give my property to anybody with zero hosting experience unless I truly like trusted that person. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So I have a few questions around licensing. So in Tennessee to host someone else's or to manage someone else's short-term rental, you do have to have, it's not a full real estate license. It's like a division of the real estate license. Okay. Um, I think it's called a VLM license. And I think that people are in Tennessee when they co-host they are kind of getting around having that license. Now, whether that's allowed or not, I don't know because I'm not in that world as self-manage, but um, do you have to have any special licensing in California? Is this something that other potential co-hosts need to watch out for? Does it vary by state? Yeah. Shockingly in California, you do not need licensing for it, which is crazy because we have regulation for everything. Um, the thing is, if I wanted to call myself a property manager, I would, I would need to have my realtor's license um, and maybe even a broker's license. It's, I don't know, but for that, it's much more strict. Um, but what's amazing about co-hosting is you, it's such a loosely defined term. Like as a co-host, I do basically all the roles that a property manager does. But I think a big thing that it comes down to is how the money is collected and dispersed. So typically with property managers, if you've got some like if you're a big property manager and you've got multiple properties, you probably have a direct booking site and you're collecting all of the money. Or even if you're still listing on Airbnb and Verbo, all the listings are under your account. So you're collecting all of the money and then remitting it out to the owners. And I think that that's a big reason for why those licenses are needed because you're handling so much money. Um, as a co-host, what I do is I have all of the owners set up their own listings and then add me on as a co-host. Um, from there, you can do a split payout like right within Airbnb. So they get 75, I get 25. Um, or if you don't want to split the payout, you just invoice the owners and you're basically like a 1099 independent contractor. So I fill out a 1099 form for these owners every year. Um, so that's what's cool about it. Like it's just very, it's much more loosely, de um, loosely defined to where you can like just kind of come on and help them. You could be a co-host that literally just responds to guest messages. You could be a co-host that does all the roles a property manager would do and charge whatever percentage you want. Um, so I don't know, in some states it might be different, but for the most part, it's honestly the biggest like loophole to getting around, not encouraging anyone to do anything illegal, but like, because it's just kind of like, hey, I'm bringing on my buddy to help me co-host a place. In most places, you will not need extra licenses for it. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I've seen too, is that since it, and I think you're right, the licensing is because you're handling people's money, you have to open escrow accounts and things like that. And so that I obviously, I can see why that does require licensing. So that's make sure guys, if you're thinking about co-hosting that you check your state's regulations yeah. on that. Um, but it does seem to be kind of like a more flex position than say like a, a property manager. Yeah, totally. And you can be you can be a co-host like remotely. You don't have to be like a boots on the ground co-host. I live two hours from the properties I co-host. I went to Big Bear once in all of 2022. So even though I'm the official co-host, I pay out like a certain, you know, I have team members in Big Bear that are visiting the properties to restock them and everything. So 
yeah, that's what I love about it. Like I think property managers are meant to be a little bit more on site, but you can really do this however you want to do. And that's the beauty of real estate investing in general is you really can design your own life, how you want it to look and from ever, from wherever you want to be. So that's why I really love this industry. Yeah. Same. Even like down to everything, right? If you ever get bored of short-term rentals, like, okay, do midterms now, do long-terms, sell it as a flip. Like there's just so many exit options and like ways that you can reroute. Um, yeah, I love it too. I just feel so, I like, I've never felt stuck with anything. If there's like a, even like a co-hosting agreement that I don't like, I can drop that owner anytime. If I decide I'm burnt out on self-management, I hire a co-host. Like you have so many ways you can like swivel and pivot here. I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. And speaking of industry and industry events, let's talk about the level up your listing summit conference at the end of the month. Yeah. So I think you said this comes out like next week. So we're like five days out from the summit, basically. Um, it's on February 27th, 28th, and March 1st in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, and there's still tickets available. It's last minute, so they're going up. But um, code Avery10 will give you 10% on that if you guys want to do that. Um, but yeah, a little bit about the summit. Um, Tatiana Taylor-Tate, who's an award-winning designer and short-term rental coach and expert based out of Vancouver, her and I, um, we started attending a lot of short-term rental conferences last year and just absolutely fell in love with the in-person scene. I think you get so much more out of it that you than you can ever get from a podcast. And I say that having my own podcast, but there's just something really, really special about networking with people in person. And so we decided we wanted to do an all-women's spin on that. So it's an all-women's short-term rental summit. Um, and we're just so excited. The a big focus of ours, the way we've structured it is um, like it's a three-day conference. So day one is going to be your welcome party. And then day two is all around hosting with your head. So it's a lot of like strategy going into your tech stack, um, tax strategies, um, scaling, hosting remotely. That's when your panel is going to be on um, real estate investing. And then day three is hosting with your heart. So that's going to be hospitality, guest experience, design, branding, um, how to stand out with a unique stay and just kind of how to put your heart into everything. So we've really tried to cover all the topics that encompass hosting, um, making it aspirational, but also like back down to earth of like what it takes to be a good host. I'm super excited to go. We are, we can't wait to have you truly. Like I told you already, you're like a little like celebrity in my circle of friends. And, like, I swear when I told them that we had you, they were just like, what? We're going. That's silly, but I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you guys having me. Um, is there anything else before we wrap up that you want to mention about the summit or how can our listeners find you if they want to follow you, listen to your podcast, you know, nor know more about you, anything like that? Yeah. The best way to connect with me is on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. And then all my other links to the podcast and everything are all there. So it's just Natalie Palmer. You'll find me there. Um, and if you want to check out the summit again, we're only like five days out from when you're hearing this. So hopefully it's not too last minute and you can make it if you want to. And that would be at levelupyourlistingsummit.com. Code Avery10 will get you 10% off. Thank you. And last little bit of the podcast. So we ask all of our guests, these same three questions. First question, what would, what advice would you give 20 year old Natalie? Hmm. Okay. I think I would say 
So, okay, I went to college and I honestly regret it because <laughs> I don't use my college degree at all. Um, I think going back, I would have, I think I would have told myself to like work more. I don't know. Not, not choose the path of just like going to a four-year university straight out of high school. Um, I think I wish I had like seen the world more and like tried some different jobs and stuff. And I feel like I would have like, this is like hosting is my true calling, but it took me so long to find it because I went the corporate route after college and all this stuff. And like, weaved around and I honestly think I would have found this sooner if I just like explored the world more that's really good advice nobody said that yet <laughs> <laughs> and okay along the same lines what advice would you give a new investor or co-host who's interested in getting started brand new today this one I would say is I honestly think networking is the biggest thing and it's really sad to me because I've seen a lot of hosts miss out on networking because they come at it from the approach of I the only way networking makes sense for me is if I'm talking to guests like they see networking as a way to get more bookings and I've just found how many doors have opened how many new markets I've learned about how many cool podcast guests I've had and stuff and podcasts I've gotten to be on um teaming up with Tatiana to plan the summit. We met for the first time at STR Wealth Conference in Nashville. And now we're like launching a whole women's summit together. And it's just crazy the doors that op can open for you when you put yourself out there. So don't ever feel it, like if you're just starting, don't feel like you are too new to show up somewhere, even if it's just a free real estate meetup, that's exactly the resource for you. So don't wait until you're already doing it to start showing up and putting yourself out there. Get out there and meet people. We yep. were all new once. Yep. Yeah. And this industry is so uplifting too. I've never met anybody who said like, oh, you don't, you don't operate a place yet. Like, bye. Like that's never, ever. I've never once witnessed that in my life. It's like the opposite. I feel like when people at any real estate event meet some newbie, they're like, come with me oh, cool. <laughs> to the market I'm in. Like, that's amazing. Don't do this mistake. Like it's yeah. crazy how helpful and uplifting this whole industry is. I just love it. Yeah. I love that about real estate investing as a whole of like, just because other people exist who are doing it does not mean that my income is in jeopardy. It's not like a competition. It's an abundance mindset. There's plenty, plenty of investments for everyone. And I really do mm -hmm. love that too. Mm -hmm. Totally. All right. And last question before the people putting in the floor upstairs, uh, come through my ceiling. I don't know if y'all can hear that. Uh, what is your favorite book that has impacted your mindset? Okay. Yeah. It's not a real estate book, but it's 168 hours. Um, it's the number of hours that are in a week. And it basically is like a time management book, but it really helped me a lot with kind of time blocking my week out. And just it's um, for anyone who would call themselves a people pleaser. It's such a good book because if you feel like you say yes to way too many things, this book does a really good job of showing you like you only have 168 hours you got to say no to things that don't fit that. So that's been a huge help for me. That's a great one. And no one has recommended that yet. So you had two answers that <laughs> nobody else has had, which is, which is rare on these things. Cause a lot of people, <laughs> you know, read the same books and have the same advice. So that's, that's very cool. All right, Natalie, thank you again. So, so much for coming on and what's your Instagram handle so people can find you. If you look up Natalie Palmer, it's underscore underscore Natalie Palmer, but I, I need to like, 
fight the girl who has the official Natalie Palmer name and like get that <laughs> name. But until then, if you just type in my name, it pops up. So okay. I'm there. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. I'll see you in a few days. Thanks, Avery. Can't wait to meet you in person. Me too.